as, as this handout comes around, I'll just share. I don't have any slides. I don't have anything on the screen. Um, not because I'm anti-technology, although some of my colleagues might think I, I am based on uh, some simplicity lifestyle choices that my wife and I sometimes get made fun of about um, other details. But um, I thought uh, a session on staff camaraderie, I, I kind of just made the intentional choice Let's have a handout, let's discuss, let's be present in the room. Again, not that technology's bad, it's a helpful aid that I use in teaching, but I'm just gonna share my story, some stuff that we found helpful as a staff. Uh, I'm a Bible teacher, so try to root it in scripture without uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 proof texting all over the place. Um, and then I wanna hear from you by the end and have you share with each other what are, what are some things that you found helpful as a staff. Challenges too, um, but helpful things that you've done to build that uh, camaraderie at your school, whatever that looks like. So um, I want to start with, this is um, kind of the origins of this sectional, point number one on your handout there as you're getting that. Um, origins of this, this was back in March 2020. You can maybe see where this is going at least partially if you remember what March 2020 ended up being like. Um, but I want to bring it back to actually 2019 and um, just be vulnerable and honest here about some of my own struggles, which I have found kind of life-giving just to open up about um, to more staff and even students in chapel um, recently. So as a Bible teacher, um, as an Enneagram 3, which I don't like to put too much stock in that, but some of you can maybe relate to that. Uh, I'm an achiever. I place a little too much pressure on myself uh, a lot, I think. Uh, my identity is often bound up in what I'm able to do. Um, and as a Bible teacher particularly, um, and especially at our school, being the only Bible teacher the last four or five years for a small school, um, has meant, I, I just sense this, I've got to save them, I've got to form them, I've got to shape them, I've got to make sure that I'm doing everything so that they turn into these amazing followers of Jesus. Um, and that caught up with me, I'll just say, that caught up with me um, as I got really excited about this new sort of Bible curriculum revamp that I was working on. Uh, if you've never heard of the Immerse Reading Bible series, hang back and talk to me about that too. That's another session in and of itself. But I was excited about what I was seeing in students, my own ability to help them, you know, I was featured in a couple of articles, maybe got a little too big-headed about that. Hey, look at me and my success. And uh, I remember talking to my wife, Abby, um, with whom I have the, the four daughters, as the introduction said, and um, saying, you know, this whole thing about self-care. Christians, we're supposed to take up our cross. We're supposed to sacrifice for others. We're supposed to willingly put others' interests first. And yeah, that's all biblical, but I was almost sort of demeaning towards and kind of condescending towards people that I saw as needing to take care of themselves, people that struggled with anxiety, people that talked about self-care as such this uh, needed thing. Uh, and we had had some professional development about that as a staff recently too, and I was pretty dismissive of it. Look at me, the Bible teacher, taking up my cross, doing this great work. Um, early January, just to move the story forward, uh, I had a spell of vertigo. I can remember I was in the teacher's lounge pouring a, a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden the room started to spin, and I freaked out. I have never had vertigo before. I am so sorry for those of you for whom that's a constant struggle. Um, I didn't know what was happening. I thought, I think my leg's hurting. I'm pretty sure that's a sign I'm having a heart attack. I peace out of school. I tell their secretary, I, I need to go. 
I checked into the, the, uh, the urgent care right down the road. They, um, they did one of those, what do you call them, EKGs or yeah. something. And uh, you're, you're fine. Your heart's okay. Just go home. So, all right, went home, kind of rested, and went back to school. And things were okay for a couple of weeks. And then I had it happen again um, and panicked once more. And eventually, um, after thinking at first, like, do, do I need to get my glasses or my contacts prescription updated? Am I having headaches? Am I, I just not really wanted to confront the fact that I was having panic attacks. Um, I remember leaving class a couple of times, had a parapro take over for me, sitting in the couch, uh, trying to just say to everybody, I'm having migraines, I think I'm okay. I was, I was panicked. I, uh, I was a, a big part of our, our praise team at church at that point. I remember right before having to go up on stage, um, this was, I think, February 2020, just telling my wife, I can't do this, and going out to the car, reclining in the driver's seat, and just sort of laying there for an hour. Um, so there were a few other examples like that. Um, family birthday party, playing euchre, and all of a sudden starting to panic and needing to rush out and thinking, do I need to go to the hospital right now? So I don't, I don't mention all of that to, yeah, have it be a soft story, um, but just to say again, I found it refreshing, life-giving to just open up about that. So if you've had struggles that way too, I'd also love to talk with you about that. Um, but the, the irony, I guess if you call it that, was by March of 2020, I was in a, a better place, at least in the short term already, and thinking about uh, a sectional like this. Um, how, can I, how can I talk about and share how much um, the colleagues that I work with, my staff, and just sort of forcing myself to continue to put myself in situations, even if I was dreading being in a social setting, which I usually love, um, how, how life-giving and important that was to me, um, even despite the, yeah, the couple months that I had gone through. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. So, I mean, this was March, like, 5, I think, March 6. We, we, were, I was, we were having parent-teacher conferences. I remember firing off an email to Brenda Vanderplug, like, hey, I've got this idea. I've gone through a rough stretch the last couple of months, and just talking about staff camaraderie, building each other up, bearing with one another's burdens, I want to do this, and then a week later, the world went nuts. Um, and yeah, the, the, the irony again was sort of, it was good for me, I mean, pandemic was and still is hard in a lot of ways, but it was, I think, healthy for me, uh, and my wife reminded me of this constantly, like, you are one man, you are, you are called to just make a difference, a small difference, once a day online, and that's all you can do right now, right? You need to leave it up to the Lord, trust that you're a part of a, a bigger uh, collective process that everybody's struggling with right now. So that was really good for me um, on, on uh, the one hand. But also, as I thought about sharing this finally um, today, this fall, after getting postponed, um, just recognizing how important it is to be together. Um, and we couldn't always do that for a lot of reasons, but just being together, um, taking opportunities to hang out together, build each other up, and be in person. So again, that's why lack of, lack of slides, lack of pictures. And I just thought it might be weird for some of you to see pictures or videos of a bunch of people you don't know singing karaoke last night or doing, doing one of several traditions that I'll talk briefly about on the back side. If you want those too, I guess you could email me and uh, let, let you know. But some people are saying, no, please don't already. Um, so yeah, as I thought about the title for this, Avoiding Stress by Building Staff Camaraderie, just for my own sake, I guess, mentally too, thinking, 
All right, stress. What's a good definition of that word, camaraderie, and then biblically especially, why, why is this so important? So stress, I just put here, a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. I'm guessing that even if you weren't struggling with uh, anxiety and panic attacks like I was, that the pandemic has made this come up for you at least at certain times, maybe, maybe right now. Um, strain, tension, adverse, very demanding circumstances. Um, I, I have some sites I've looked at, some data, some re, uh, research that I've done. Um, I don't want to inundate you with that, but here too, reach out to me if you want to look at some of these other studies. Not that they're too uplifting, just talking about teacher burnout and how much, especially since the pandemic, that seems to have increased. But that too was a part of my mentality with wanting to put this talk together. Like, how do we address this? So. I'm a teacher, I'm not an administrator, um, so I'm not going to share or speak into, you know, I don't have authority to say like, hey, here's how to build trust into your staff as a superior or how to do this or that, but just as a teacher with fellow teachers, some ways that biblically I think this is important and then some specific things that we've done together as a staff. So um, camaraderie, definition, just kind of quick uh, online Google definition um, from the dictionary there. Mutual trust and friendship among people who spend a lot of time together. And I thought, that is something that I, I feel like we do well at our school. And that's, I think, something biblically that we don't often pay attention to. So I, my New Testament class, as we're going through Paul's letters, especially with students, I always like to just simply put it like uh, there, there's a vertical dimension of salvation. We're reconciled to God. But there's also a horizontal dimension to salvation that Paul talks I think equally about in my reading of his letters, but it often goes kind of neglected or, or unnoticed that this is not just about you being made right with God, but Jews and Gentiles. When I have students write and reflect on their reading, they're like, I didn't realize that Paul cared so much about just people eating together and people from different backgrounds coming together at the same table and becoming a new kind of family. So I've got a few verses here that I'm going to read for us and just draw out some um, specific things as it relates to especially that horizontal Dimension and how that might connect you as a, as a staff to things that we uh, look for, or should look for. So the first one's from Romans 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That, that for me, I'll just share some kind of key lines and, and invite you as we read these to do the same. Um, but that one for me really stands out. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I know I needed to learn that lesson the hard way a couple years ago, and I think especially coming out on the other side, hopefully more and more of the pandemic and being able to be together with and, and hang out with and celebrate each other as a staff. That's been a big one for me. I am no better than anybody else. Good reformed education. The Bible teacher is not the, the only uh, Christian kind of content tack on, right? We are all, uh, all, whatever subjects they are, integrating faith into the classroom and building the kingdom in our own ways. But that for me, I know, is, is huge. Um, and that extends, I think, as well to uh, not just teachers, but, but support staff, counselors, inclusive ed, um, custodial staff, like anybody. Like, 
Come, come sing karaoke with us last night. Let's, let's go do this. Let's hang out here. You weren't at parent-teacher conferences maybe, but come out and, and have a drink with us at uh, the, the place down the road, and let's just hang out and talk. Uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. You all have a role. We all have a role to play. Different gifts. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, my students are always a bit um, surprised, I guess to put it mildly, when we read through 1 Corinthians, that though this text can be applied, I think, to marriage quite well, Paul's not talking about marriage in this classic kind of Valentine's Day romantic text at all. In fact, make my day as a Bible teacher, does anybody know what Paul says about marriage in 1 Corinthians, like six chapters before this? <laughs> if you can, don't get married. If you can help it, don't get married at all. I prefer you stay single like me. So, love is patient, love is kind. When Paul talks about this stuff, he's talking about, like, right before this, right after this, the body of Christ, similar to Paul and Romans here, and the different gifts that you each have. And the greatest of those gifts is, is love, right? So, as I read this, just sort of have that in mind. Yeah, it can apply to your spouse if you're married. No, it's not really what Paul's talking about here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Envy. I'll share it here too, quite honestly. Um, I, I'm sometimes envious of my fellow staff members, thinking, man, they do fill in the blank so much better than me as a teacher. I, I imagine a lot of you can relate to that too. It's easy to sort of compare, like, students have such a gr great relationship with this individual. What am I doing wrong? Um, this seems to go off so well when they try it in their classroom. Why did it completely bomb when I tried this, right? Um, so love does not envy. Um, that's something I, I've been trying to uh, live into more lately, um, as well as, of course, it does not boast. When I feel like I do certain things really well, I'm not going to boast about that. Um, it keeps no record of wrongs, another key line for me here. Uh, it's very easy um, at CEA, even, um, staff room sometimes, um, to... Be, be negative, and we've even kind of joked about this as a staff lately, like, oh, was that a negative comment? Like, keep, keep, keep that out, right? But in all seriousness, love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not easily angered. Um, it doesn't dishonor others. So what does that look like? Um, and maybe that's a challenge for you as a staff. I don't know. But what does that look like to practice that, to not say anything that dishonors somebody else, that's not gossiping, that's not belittling somebody else or, or, or yeah, think, things of that nature. Um, understanding that love always protects, that always trusts, that always seeks the best in one another. That third one here at the bottom, um, and I, I think this is our CEA theme. Am I right there? I should have double-checked this. I think it is. It's also our school theme verse for the year, so I thought, well, that worked out. That worked out nicely for me in the session. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So besides the, the similarities there with, with Romans in terms of the, 
one body, many parts, celebrating those gifts in one another. Um, the, the one for me that really stands out is uh, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does it look like as a staff to become mature and to model that for students? And I still don't have the, the metaphors fully figured out. Like Jesus says, you need to have faith like a child, right? There's a childlike trust and dependency in God. There's also this notion that we're supposed to grow up and become mature. Uh, so how do, you, how do we do that as a staff as well, right? Model that for each other, model that for students, that we need to depend on one another, depend on the Lord as we mature, as we grow, as we share those gifts to build each other up together. So, flip over to the backside, and we get into um, non-Paul, uh, Pauline letter territory, but a couple ones that I know I've found helpful in um, connection with this and that I've tried to uh, more intentionally focus on in my life too. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Obviously, the pandemic, for, for very good health-related reasons, forced us to cease uh, meeting together for a little while. Um, and there's still challenges and struggles and question marks with that now. But not giving up meeting together as some in the, are in the habit of doing. I, my, to a fault, maybe, my staff knows about me. Like we, I, I am going to sing karaoke every Thursday night of CEA once a year. Um, and my wife, bless her, is a wonderful, understanding, loving person in so many ways. Um, and, and she just knows that's been, that's been good for me, especially the last couple of years. That's been something that helps build that, um, that fun, that fellowship, that camaraderie as a staff. So, I, and I don't mean to dismiss, you know, if, if something comes up, if, if there's an issue with the family, if there's just... I can't make it, it's, and it's not just CEA stuff, but other times throughout the year. That's, that's all understandable, right? But I do love the emphasis here. Um, as believers, especially, uh, don't give up meeting together. And that can apply to worship, certainly, maybe most primarily to, to gathering for worship. But uh, as a, a Christian school staff, I know that's something I've, I've thought about. Outside of just the school day, how can we continue to meet, continue to have fun and encourage each other that way? John 17, Jesus prays this right before he goes to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's one of the most mind-blowing prayers for me in all of the Bible. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. That they may be one as we are one. <laughs> I and them, and you and me. Uh, that's just crazy to me, that... Um, our, our unity as believers is supposed to be 
a metaphor for. It's supposed to provide the world a glimpse of the unity of Father, Son, Spirit, and the Trinity. And I think that connects back to Paul's notion that we're growing into maturity. We're obviously not there yet. We're never going to be there this side of the resurrection. But that is as quite the amazing prayer that we're, our unity is supposed to reflect and give at least a small window into the unity, the love that Father, Son have together. And what's so fascinating, among other things, about Trinitarian sort of reflection like that is they're, they're distinct, right? Father, Son, Spirit, three, and yet one. And so, as a staff, what, what sorts of gifts, distinctions, individual personalities, um, things about each other that might drive you nuts or might uh, be difficult to relate to at times, but opportunities to come together in unity that at least gives the world a glimpse of the love that Father and Son have for each other. That's amazing to me. Okay, Jeremiah 29. I'm not going to spend time uh, expressing my distaste for how Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is used. Don't worry about that here. Um, But you all, there was a chapel speaker, and I'm feeling bad that I'm forgetting. Was it your dad, Krista, who who did this? Yeah. Okay. Um, What's his name again, just so I give give a shout out? Paul DeVries. Paul DeVries. He came to our chapel a couple years ago, a few years ago. And he did this chapel uh, on, on y'all, on you all, just how many times the second person plural is mentioned in the Bible. Um, and so, among other things about Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you. It's, it's y'all, it's you all, it's you plural, it's you as the nation, it's you as the community of faith. And how many times, not just in that passage, but you is addressed not to individuals, but the collective kind of body of believers. And it's just all over the place. Um, Kelvin Seminary um, has a fantastic resource. It's called the Scripture Study app, and they actually have a tool where you can configure so that the text as you're reading it, whenever it says you, it'll change to you all. If you're interested in that or you've been trying that out with your students, let me know. Happy to pass that your way too. But what does it mean to read the Bible that way then? Um, Not just in this passage, but across the board. That yes, God loves me as an individual. Yes, I have dignity and worth and value as a child of God. But usually when you is spoken of, it's, it's you as the people. It's, it's this covenantal, communal kind of identity. And so that too, as, as far as staff camaraderie, it's never just about me or you, individual over here, this teacher there, this subject area there, but you all, we have collectively um, an identity and a, a reality to embody and to live into for each other and for our students that way too. All right, examples by Kelvin Christian. I'm going to share just uh, some things here, and then I want to take some time after that and have you share with one another, um, hopefully, some fun things, traditions, successful uh, stuff that you've tried um, before we share those out as a group and, and do some questions and answers and stuff at the end, So, just in terms of where we're going yet. Um, and some of these may be helpful, some of these may be not, some of these you might be doing already, some of these you might be like, my staff would never go for that, but that sounds kind of fun, maybe I'll think about that. Um, fall hangout, we haven't done this every year, but it kind of restarted again just this past year post-pandemic, and I know uh, my first few years as a teacher, um, just a, a, a sort of fall hangout, whether that's a bonfire, campfire, just hanging out, playing yard games. Uh, cornhole, ladder ball, um, 
can jam, just, just hanging out together to kind of kick off and celebrate the start of a new year. So we did this um, at uh, my wife and I's house, actually, just in our backyard, like the third or fourth Friday of the school year. And that was a, a fun way just to kind of regather, celebrate uh, the start of a new year. Staff lunch at the end of parent-teacher conference weeks, that's been a tradition as far back as I can remember teaching. We usually have uh, conferences a couple of nights a week in October, uh, then again in March, and then uh, Friday off. I don't know if that's true for any of you. Sounds wonderful. Maybe if not, I won't say much more, I guess, if you don't get a day off. But we always have conferences in the morning on that Friday, like 9 to 11, and then everybody knows, hey, we're going to go down the road. We're going to go down the road to Manelli's or Uccello's, a couple of places that typically have like a big pizza buffet. We're just all going to hang out, have lunch, celebrate the end of parent-teacher conference week. Um, we always have a Christmas party. Um, oftentimes that's been hosted at our, our principal's house over the years, but it's maybe been elsewhere that I'm, I'm forgetting right now. Um, and there's always been some fun um, confusion there, whether it's going to be a white elephant gift or an actual nice gift. So I don't have slides. I should have brought my amazing uh, creepy clown picture that I got from one of our staff um, when it was supposed to be like a nice gift of like five to ten dollars. And she thought, without saying names, I don't think she's here in this room, that it was a white elephant gift and just this horrifying, hilarious clown that I hung up, I think, in my classroom one semester and had enough weird looks from students, I thought. One, one and done for that. But that was, that was a fun example of a Christmas party kind of gone wrong there. Um, end of school year party. Uh, I don't know if you guys do something like this, but every... Yeah, every, every end of the year, May, it's usually mid-May, late May, sometimes the last week of school, kind of exam week, which for us is first week of June, typically, Memorial Weekend, thereabouts. Uh, we'll have an end of the, the year party, we'll have food catered, we'll um, yeah, have uh, spouses, significant others, if those are, are uh, around, um, invited along to, and um, yeah, just celebrate the end of uh, another school year, so kind of... Nice to bookend things that way with a, a fall kind of hangout uh, and end of, end of year staff party at the end. Random volleyball games after school. This was huge pre-pandemic for us. We as a staff, uh, my, some of my staff member colleagues up here should talk about this because it's been a little while, but I always look forward to that. Um, I think it happened once maybe during parent-teacher conference week and we had so much fun and some of us got maybe overly competitive that we were like, we need to do this again like next week. We need to play volleyball after school, have some bragging rights, just enjoy doing that. Although I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it was either intramurals or one of these random games that we had a staff member tear an ACL. So maybe maybe scratch that one off the list. Uh, or just know, know your, your staff and their, their limits maybe. But. <laughs> yeah. um, staff concerts. Staff concerts. Um, here too, there are uh, YouTube links that I could send your way uh, if you should so choose to watch uh, all of us as staff doing like a 20 minute long uh, series of performances, different songs, different acts, different roles, costumes, just craziness. But that's happened like once every four years, I think, for us as a staff, and it's usually kind of built into uh, fundraising, like an incentive for students. Hey, if you raise enough money for this organization that we're partnering with or hoping to donate, the teachers will put on a show for you. Um, yeah, I think the last one was 2017, so pandemic kind of threw a wrench in the, 
every four-year rotation um, of that, too. But that's always been fun. I've been involved in a couple of those now. Um, one of them, I was in a onesie um, singing a, a particular song. Um, say again? Cups. Yeah, the cup song. Got my ticket to the lawn. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> some, some good stuff there. Some good, good highlights that you could always take a look at. <laughs> um, okay, this is, this is one of the ones where I, I was like, I need to kind of feel out my audience here. I hope I can say, uh, as a reformed educator who appreciates John Calvin and how he often had a glass of wine with uh, his colleagues in ministry, that often, whether it is after back-to-school night, uh, which is usually kind of second week of school, whether it's after Discover Kelvin, kind of our annual fall recruiting for, for families, which is uh, next week, um, whether it is after Student Showcase, which is often in the spring, kind of, hey, come in and see what students have done, the work that they've put together. Uh, usually it's a, hey, who wants to go out? Who wants to just unwind, kick back, have some fun at a local watering hole somewhere in, uh, in Granville or Wyoming for us at, um, at Kelvin Christian where I teach. So that's, that's just something that, I don't know, for me, it's like any chance I get, who wants to go, let's go out and just have some fun, share, especially um, lately as a, a school too, and this is you know, just the reality, small school, times we're living in, but supervision duties, people doing this on this day, lunch duty on that day, not always crossing paths in the lounge. Um, you know, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Let's go catch up and, and talk about what's going on in your classroom. Are things going well? How are you doing personally, emotionally? Um, let's, let's just share together. Uh, and then, of course, I bolded this one, which has been hinted at, uh, at, at uh, numerous points in this presentation already. Uh, CEA weekend, apps and drinks, that's usually um, after the final session, or dare I admit, uh, sometimes during. The final session. Uh, I hope that's safe to admit in this space. Um, <laughs> I was joking with some of my staff yesterday. I think um, I, I have only, and it was it was yesterday I did this. I've only ever now gone to one three o'clock session in my twelve years now. So I, again, I hope that's okay to admit in this in this room. Uh, I love CEA. I learn so much every year. And my first year as a teacher, the principal was just sort of like, yeah, we'll, we'll be over at uh, Fiddler's, anybody? South Bend, remember that place? By, by 3 o'clock. I remember kind of looking at my schedule thinking, I, I was going to go to a session at, at 3.30, and they were like, ah, no, just, just talk. We're all, we're all getting together. This is kind of our sectional as a, or sectional as a staff. More, more important, just let's hang out. Um, karaoke started three, four years ago. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not even sure how or why, uh, but it just was sort of like, hey, this would be fun. Let's, let's try this out. I know I've enjoyed doing that at different points over the years and thought, you know, there's a place right up the road um, from the convention center in South Bend. Uh, maybe see some of you there next year if this sounds like fun. Uh, but karaoke going on, big stage, and it was just a blast. Uh, a lot of fun the year after that, a lot of fun last night too. Some people were singing in these first two rows. Um, great time uh, and just something that, it, it, yeah, we, we look forward to. Maybe I look forward to too much at this point. Um, okay, before I have you share some things, uh, whether that's good traditions, uh, fun examples, things you do at your school, challenges maybe, uh, and then with questions, 
I, I have some benefits here, and there's more than just ABC, these three things, but I, I wanted to try to boil it down to a few main takeaways, main benefits that I know I, I've seen. Uh, so that first one, staff enjoy each other. Um, our principal, I think I'm quoting him or paraphrasing him semi-accurately, uh, he's been around just the last couple of years now, and he said one of the things he appreciates about us as a staff is you guys really care for each other. And then he followed that up with saying, and you're goofy. Um, and I thought, that's a great summary, actually, of our staff. And I, I appreciate hearing that. You know, you care for each other. You know how to have some fun, too. And I think those go together. Um, students notice. I think students notice. And I don't know if, if others of you can attest to this at our, my school, our school, other schools, um, if, if uh, you just have those relationships. But they can tell, um, you know, so they'll, they'll ask, like, what kinds of stuff are you guys doing uh, during convention again? Oh, I, I thought I heard something about karaoke, right? I thought I heard something about somebody singing this particular song or whatever. Like, they pick up on that, and they genuinely enjoy seeing that there's that, that collaborative, uh, collaborative um, sort of camaraderie and, and friendship and um, fun that we have together as a staff. They, they like that, and, and I think that has huge benefits for them. Uh, are you guys going out again? I remember being asked by a student as we were all kind of lingering in the hallway talking last year after student showcase. Uh, and he was passing uh, uh, us by on his way out after helping out with some sort of display. And he kind of knew, he could sense, like, yeah, it's a school function, school event. I I'm guessing you, you guys are probably going to go somewhere. So he asked us, go, yeah, you guys going to go hang out? And, yeah, we, we are. We're making plans for that right now. But he just smiled. He could tell, like, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And it's cool to see that you guys want to do that, even though it's 8.30, 9 o'clock, school night, that we're going to do that. Um, I put here in, uh, in italics, bolded, just uh, the, the embodied church. And by that, I'm sort of connecting back to some of those texts that I shared with you earlier. But just being together, being in person, um, making, making plans together to do things that, that celebrate and, and build up that kind of connection as a staff. Students appreciate, and I think it's immensely important for them to, to just notice that too. Um, I know that, again, despite the necessary um, things during the pandemic that needed to happen, like uh, live streaming church, you know, we did that for like a year and a half. I don't ever want students to think, hey, like when I go to college or when I graduate and I'm working, I can just sort of Ah, sleep in, and then if I find online some link to some church somewhere, I can kind of check that off the list and, and feel good about church that weekend while I'm on my own. Again, there, there sometimes is a necessity for that, especially during the pandemic. But I want students to realize, hey, part of being Christian is once again this horizontal um, level of, of being reconciled together as, as the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So no, it's not bad if once in a while that's what just needs to happen, a live stream, linking in on YouTube or Facebook Live. But that shouldn't be the ideal, right? That shouldn't be what we just sort of settle for. And so I hope that students not only just appreciate and notice how much joy and fun we have and care we have for each other as a staff, but when they see us doing things intentionally together, that they make that connection, that the church and, and Christian community is more than just, hey, what do I individually need or what do I individually want to tune into this week, but to be embodied together. Um, and then the last one that I have here, parents 
appreciating the teachers more than anything else. Um, there's a lot of challenges with, with parents, and I'm sure some of you can relate as well in the last couple of years with just difficult, divisive stuff of many kinds, um, and not always seeing uh, things on the same page as each other. But I know as a school, one of the things that, um, as a small school especially, that usually comes up when we're trying to recruit and trying to bring more students into the building is the staff. It's the teachers. It's the teachers, the teachers that make this school the school that it is. Um, and hopefully not, not just that, but it starts there and ends there, right? And so if you have a staff that is just kind of disconnected, um, doesn't make efforts to get together, it doesn't make efforts to, uh, yeah, have that, have that sense of, of collective identity and camaraderie, then especially for, for parents in a community, they're going to they're gonna notice that kind of adversely. So parents appreciating the teachers. Uh, I know at, at conferences and, and, and elsewhere, just hearing that that's something as a school that they value and that they can see and appreciate is huge. So, um, yeah, there's, there's more um, possible examples that I could have shared, more benefits that I, I'm sure I could have gotten into, but I did want to leave time, at least 10 minutes or so, for you to share with one another, um, again, examples as a staff, since I'd, I'd love to hear these, and I think it's uh, an important thing to, to do, just to, hey, here's what works. Um, not just in my classroom as a teacher, but as a staff, here's what we do that's been helpful, especially the last couple of years, to have that, that joy together. Um, but then questions together, too, um, or um, challenges that you face, like what about this, or what about when this happens on a staff? Um, so we can sort of, I think, blend those or combine those last couple of points together on your handout, but, but start with, because I'd really like to hear positive examples, traditions, stories, things you do, and then we can get into the challenges, questions that you might have after that. Does that sound good? So if you just kind of turn to folks nearby, next to you, behind you, share some things. In my staff, we do this. In our school, we have this. Go for it.